Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning again. Uh, I am Carmen LaBerge. If you're just joining us for the very first time, this is Mornings with Carmen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you are here. Uh, What we're trying to do is bring the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day. And so we do that by, you know, so surveying what's happening, what you might encounter in the conversations of the day at work or out there in the big wide world. Um, And we say to ourselves, all right, now what is the Christian worldview on this? What is God's perspective? And, you know, how do I enter into that perspective? And how do I become an agent of that version of the news? Like, right, we are bringing the perspective of God into the conversations of the day. The only reason God's not in the conversations of the day is because people like you and me aren't bringing God into the conversation. If you're standing in the middle of a conversation or with a group of people um, and— you're saying to yourself, wow, this this is a conversation completely devoid of God's view of things, of God's perspective on things. Well, guess what? You're it. You are in that conversation. You are in earshot of that conversation because God expects you to be the person who brings him into the conversation. That is actually what it means to be his witnesses in the world today, to be the good news people in the midst of all the other news. So, um, let's see. Uh, here's a headline for you. Lots of new tech out there, right? I mean, uh, new tech, uh, new technology seems to come online every single day. Lots of fairly ominous headlines related to the metaverse and NFTs. I'm not even really sure what they are yet, but it's non-fungible tokens. I'm going to have to find out more about that before I say any more about that because it's a bit of a mystery to me. But here's something that I do know about. Do you remember the BlackBerry? Do you remember the BlackBerry? Well, guess what? BlackBerry software is being switched off today. I, I didn't, I, I, it's an end of an era. Um, back in the day, um, BlackBerry, like, was the, was the way of the world in terms of tech. Um, and if you say to yourself, I wonder who this is going to affect, Um, The last person that I'm aware of and the last group of people I'm aware of who use Blackberries are actually um, members of the U.S. government. You will remember that uh, Hillary Clinton was using a Blackberry. Mm -hmm. Well, that software is being turned off today. There you go. That's what I know. Noble, uh, noble, mobile technology, major shift. Um, One health headline as we turn our attention to the headlines related to the Omicron variant of SARS-CoV-19. Dr. Jeff Barrows is going to join us from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. One one health headline that is not going to make the headlines anywhere but here, I have a splinter in the ring finger on my right hand, and it is causing me much grief. And it's a reminder today that something very, 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 very small can cause us um, a lot of pain. 
So let's be mindful of that today and let's be careful and gentle with other people, recognizing that something very, very small, even something slight can cause another person a great deal of pain. And we we don't want to be splintery. There you go. That's my uh, personal headline. Dr. Jeff Barrows joins us next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Barrows, welcome back. Good morning. Good morning, Carmen. So it's like a house call. It's like a house call. I'm, I'm, uh, my fingernails on my index finger and my thumb are insufficient to the task of pulling out the splinter on the inside of my ring finger on my left hand. Yeah, you need somebody with good eyesight and a nice <laughs> pair of tweezers, uh, a good light, and uh, just uh, kind of grin and bear it. I know. I know. Instead, I'm in my studio and by myself, and I wish someone with good eyesight and a good light and some tweezers were here, but uh, oh, that's not happening. So everyone just lift up a quick prayer um, that I don't press it further in, because that's, of course, the issue. That's, of course, the risk I'm now okay, running. No, don't want to do All that. All right. Tell us, um, give us an update on Omicron, um, because we're hearing lots and lots of things uh, related to this variant of COVID SARS, mm, SARS COVID nineteen, I think is the way I'm supposed to be saying it. So, what is the Omicron variant update today? Well, uh, it's it's a new and uh, very different type of variant, and the reason it's different, it was first identified, of course, in South Africa. And so for those of your listeners who completely turned off the news over the holidays, uh, it became a, a variant of concern at the end of November, and it's been growing around the world ever since. But what makes Omicron different is the number of of mutations within the virus. Now, a lot of people get confused. What's the difference between a mutation and a variant? A variant is a new strain that is a collection of mutations. And and the Delta variant, for instance, had a total of 17 mutations, but the Omicron uh, variant has 50 mutations, and 32 of those are on the spike protein. And 10 are where the 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 virus actually attaches to our cells. It's called the receptor binding domain. And so that's what makes it far more transmissible is those mutations in that receptor binding domain. So I understand that yesterday we set a new record for a million new cases uh, that's been growing over the last several weeks. Uh, that's the bad news. The good news is that the cases tend to be more mild. And one of the reasons we're, we're seeing that is that with this new set of mutations at the receptor point, uh, this virus doesn't want to attach to lung tissue as much as the previous variants. So it's causing less uh, incidence of of pneumonias. It's causing more bronchitis. And so people are getting less sick, which is obviously good news. But 
with the huge increase in cases, it's really uh, still threatening to overwhelm the healthcare system. Now, regarding the vaccines, um, you have to remember that our immune system has two different arms to it. First is what everybody hears about, and that's the antibody arm. And I kind of look at that as our frontline soldiers, the snipers, so to speak, the first that encounter the enemy. And it's the antibodies that protect us against that initial infection. But the second part is the cellular immunity, and that's critical. That's kind of like the main army with the tanks and, and all the fighters gathered together. And, and that part of our immune system is, is out to destroy the virus once it gets into our body. So the good news is that vaccines stimulate both arms of our immune system, but the antibody arm tends to lessen a lot quicker, and it's it has lessened against Omicron, uh, and that's, again, because of the new mutations on the spike protein. So studies have shown a significant reduction in the ability of antibodies to, to fight Omicron, especially if you just have a two-dose vaccination. But if you happen to have had a, a, a booster in addition to the two-dose vaccination, you're likely to have a good, strong uh, antibody arm in terms of fighting Omicron. But regardless... In terms of our cellular immunity, it's still very strong. It doesn't doesn't alter that much with the new variants. So that's why fewer people are getting into the hospital, especially if they've been vaccinated and boosted. So it's important to get the vaccination. It's important to get a booster if you qualify. And some final good news is that if you happen to get an infection with Omicron, but you haven't had the Delta variant, you will actually have far greater immunity to the Delta variant after being infected with Omicron. So a little bit of good news in the midst of all this increase in infection. So um, testing is uh, a huge, been a huge conversation over the holidays. Um, who's, who's getting tested? How often are they getting tested? Um, how are they getting tested? How effective are the tests? And now everybody's going back to school. And there are some school districts that are like requiring kids to be tested for reentry. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, so you test them today. Um, does that mean you're going to test them again tomorrow? Like you could show up any day. And this be an issue. And with 48 million uh, school age kids in America, um, you're going to run through those rapid tests uh, pretty fast, even if there are a half a billion of them. Yeah, and hopefully they they are uh, replenished within our drugstores and various stores uh, in the next few weeks. But but that brings up a good point, and that is when is the best time to use these uh, these at home tests? And, and that really is any time you've had a close exposure to somebody who you know then had a positive, and you want to answer the question whether yourself or some family member is possibly contagious that's when you wanna use the tests. And unfortunately, these new tests, uh, even those that have been uh, relatively recently approved by the FDA, uh, they, are, they use antibodies. Uh, they are using antibodies that are grown in the laboratory. And because the Omicron, again, is altered from uh, the original ancestral virus, 
these antibodies are not working quite as well. And so we are seeing some diminution in the effective, uh, the uh, sensitivity of these tests. But there are a couple of, of uh, new ones that have been just released. Uh, one is called the Clinitest Rapid COVID-19 Test. That has been shown to have some sensitivity with uh, against Omicron. So has the Biosensor COVID-19. The iHealth COVID-19 is a very good test, but still we don't have a lot of uh, a lot of experience with COVID-19. And I, I will finish up uh, in, in terms of tests. There is a, a new test that I think is exciting. If money is not an object. Uh, it's unfortunately very expensive, but it's extremely accurate. It's about as good as the PCR test. And that test is called the Q-COVID test. It costs about, you got to pay $250 for a reader and then $225 for three tests. So it's not mm. for those that don't have a lot of money. But if money is no object and you really want to make sure you and your family members don't have COVID, uh, I would look at the COVID, uh, Q-COVID test because it uses a, a nucleic acid amplification test. It's very close to the PCR and very accurate. We rely on you for um, all the good sciencey stuff, and I like the word diminute. Mm -hmm. Can you say the one again where it's it's like diminished, but it had it was different than that because that was a good word. I wrote it down, but I don't know how Diminution. to pronounce it. Diminution. <laughs> Diminution. Diminution. All right. Diminution is the word of the day in this segment with Dr. Jeff Barrows from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. When we come back, he's going to talk with us about some changes in 2022 related to the law and medical billing. You're going to want to know about this. We'll be right back. We're continuing our conversation with Dr. Jeff Barrows, who is so patient with me um, and my non-sciencey brain. Um, I genuinely appreciate it. So you can check out what's happening at the Christian Medical and Dental Association, cmda.org. Um, Jeff, tell us what is happening um, this year in relationship to how the laws have changed in those surprise medical bills that um, we might have gotten in the past. Yeah, that is a, a very important change, and it's it started on January 1st. Uh, it was part of the uh, Consolidated Appropriations Act that Congress pack, passed uh, at the end of the year, and a portion of that is called the No Surprises Act, and it addresses, I, I think, a real problem in healthcare that we've had. And, and to just to give an example, I ran into this uh, when I was practicing OBGYN. You know, I would set a patient up for a an in-hospital surgery, hysterectomy or whatever, and I would talk to them about uh, the, the fact that the hospital is going to have fees. I would, of course, have fees. But but I didn't know what the fee was for the anesthesiologist, which is the person that would put the, the patient to sleep, the pathologist who's going to look at the tissue under the microscope and evaluate it for cancer. There may be a radiologist fee. So all these extra doctors are taking care of the patient, but they never actually meet that person. They never talk to them. They never have any interaction. So they would get back home from, uh, say, a routine hysterectomy, and they'd start getting all these surprise bills 
from these other doctors that they didn't know who they were. And so this particular act gets rid of that. What it does is it forces hospitals and clinics to consolidate bills together and be more upfront with the patient as to what to expect when they go into a clinic or a, a hospital for a procedure so that they'll know ahead of time. Now, the patients still have to pay all the co-pays, all the deductibles, and uh, you know, their normal other healthcare costs. But the bill is going to try and get rid of any of these surprise billings. The other thing that it does is it, it, uh, it doesn't allow insurance companies to charge out-of-network charges for uh, emergency care in a hospital. So somebody is traveling and they happen to be out of state and they have an emergency or they have to go to an urgent care center, uh, uh, they cannot, uh, the insurance company cannot charge them the out-of-network charges for that. So I think that's also another another good uh, that will come out of this bill. Uh, there's going to be disagreement, though. And so when there is, uh, there's going to be arbitration that's going to be at, done at the federal level. It leaves the patient out of the arbitration. And so the arbiter must select the offer that is closest to the median in-network rate. That'll be worked out away from the patient so they don't have to worry about that. So it is going to take some time for this to take effect. I don't think patients should expect it's going to be smooth now from this point forward. This is a big adjustment for hospitals, a big adjustment for physicians. So it's going to take some time to get it implemented. But overall, I think it's going to be a good thing. I think it's important for all of us to recognize it doesn't mean that the bills for these things are going away. It's just that they will no longer be surprise billing. Like we're it's we're going to be notified in advance now, or there should be a conversation. There's going to be a form um, that you sign um, where your uh, the names of the out of network provider or facility will be you know written on a blank line, and then you're going to sign a form that says I understand that you know these are the things that. Um, I'm having done, and I recognize that there's a cost associated with them, and I also recognize that you know the the this is the range that it's going to cost. Here's you know here's what I have to confess, um, Jeff. When you're signing all the forms in the emergency room, you're not reading them, and you're not going to read the six pages of disclosures related to the standard notice and consent document under the No Surprises Act. Like you're That's not right. your your person that you're responsible for who needs emergent medical care or, you know, frankly, you know, if you are having like you just described a, a, a quote unquote routine hysterectomy, that's I know that's routine for you as a doctor. That's not routine for anyone like that's not I mean, if you're at that point where you're going to have that kind of surgery, like your ability to have a um, dispassionate, you know, dispassionately read not just the six pages of disclosures related to this, but the hundreds of other pages of disclosures that you're supposed to read before you sign something and give your consent. Um, like, we're not reading those. Like, I think you should know that. We're not reading those. Yeah, and it's it's especially when you're in the emergency room, you're not feeling well, you're having chest pain, you're thinking you may be having a heart attack. You're not going to be paying attention to that stuff. No. So. This is important, and it's also working well with another 
um, initiative by the federal government, and that is uh, transparency of charges. They've been working for quite a long time with hospitals trying to make sure that they are allowing patients to see what are the charges for a normal chest x-ray? What are the charges for various, in fact, all procedures, as much as they can put up in, in terms of on their website so the patients can know and look ahead of time if they have to go through some kind of a procedure, where is the, the best place in terms of price and, 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 and to know what they're gonna have to pay. Mm. It's fascinating. All right, as always, thank you so much for helping us understand what's happening um, and the importance of it and the importance of our own health related to it. We um, we genuinely appreciate the, the ongoing conversation that we have with you and others at CMDA. So thank you for all your good work. Oh, my pleasure, Carmen. Great to be with you. Likewise. That's Dr. Jeff Barrows. You can find him at the Christian Medical and Dental Association, cmda.org. We'll be right back. Alrighty, what is your favorite holiday food? What is your favorite food in general? Today is Spaghetti Day. Do you have a favorite variety of pasta and or pasta sauce? Are you a meatball or a sausage person? Hmm, mouth is watering a little bit on this Taste and See Tuesday. One of my favorite bright, shiny people in the world, uh, Sister in Christ, Trillia Newbell. She's going to join us next. The book is The Big Wide Welcome. It's a book about favoritism, and so we're going to start off having a conversation about, well, some of our favorite things. We'll be right back. This is Max Lakato. Odds are that you know what it means to be at home somewhere. To be at home is to feel safe. The residence is a place of refuge and security. To be at home is to be comfortable. You can pad around wearing slippers and a robe. To be at home is to be familiar. When you enter the door, you needn't consult the blueprint to find the kitchen. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. Our aim is to be at home in Christ. He is our place of refuge and security. And we are comfortable in his presence, free to be our authentic selves. His roof of grace protects us from the storms of guilt. His walls of providence secure us from destructive winds. His fireplace warms us during the lonely winters of life. He is our home. This is Max Lucado. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Well, in the list of some of my favorite people, Trillia Newbell, she is back. She is um, an acquisitions editor at Moody Publishing, and she is an author herself. She comes to us today sharing the big, wide welcome. Trillia, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. What a fun song to intro. <laughs> right, right. So um, I told everybody that we, you and I were going to have a conversation about some of our favorite things. So oh. do you have a favorite food? <gasps> I love Thai food. Yeah? I love Thai food. Yeah, oh yeah. I love spicy food in general, but Thai food and pod wusun specifically. So this is funny. You didn't prep me on this, which means it must be my favorite because it came right out from, out of my lips. But anyway, so yes, I love it so much. It's so delicious. Okay, so you and I need to find a restaurant where they serve Thai, but where maybe they also serve Italian. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I 
would that would be a hodgepodge and interesting and, and very interesting. <laughs> how about how about a favorite flower? Do you have a favorite flower? Um, you know, goodness, if I knew how to identify flowers better, I might. But trillium is a wild flower that my father. Um, made my name up from Trillia is my name. Trillium is the flower. It's a wildflower in East Tennessee. I think it's probably other places. And though it's not necessarily a favorite, it would probably lean towards it just because it would was close in near to my father's talk. Yeah, that's so sweet. That's so sweet. All right, so Trillia and I are having a conversation about some of our favorite things. Because while it's totally fine to have things that we um, have as favorites when it comes to food or flowers or even like toys or games we like to play, um, not so okay when it comes to like people and playing favoritism. So introduce us, Trillia, to the big wide welcome and the important lesson it teaches us about favoritism. So I love that intro again. Um, The big wide welcome is focused on James 2, which is talking about the sin of partiality. So obviously we can have best friends. We can have people that we love and and leaned on. However, when we do that to the exclusion of others and based on things like outward appearance or wealth, as James was talking to, this is when it gets to sin. And we do have a sinful habit of playing favorites with people, um, which is the sin of partiality to the exclusion of others. And that is the big wide welcome. It's helping parents um, teach kids how to love all people like Jesus did. Yeah, if I had asked you, um, you know, in the in this sort of let's play favorites game, you know, favorite food, favorite flower, if I had then said favorite child. Right? <laughs> yeah, that would be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so God doesn't have any favorite children. God loves um, every child, right? And we sort of learn that when we're kids. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. We learn to sing that when we're Um, when we're kids. Talk about the importance and the power of learning this lesson as a child, because the sin of partiality is also learned when we're little. Absolutely. Well, there's a lot of reasons why I think it will, it's just so important to instill this in children. One, I actually think the ultimate lesson is that Jesus loves us, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that he loves. When we think of that of how God doesn't play favorites, how God isn't partial based on our good works, based on our um, skin, based on all these things. That helps children to know that that they can go to the Lord and that they are, are worthy because God has counted them worthy. I think that's one of the, the ultimate lessons, but also it helps children to to look around and learn how to love people um, because these are people made in the image of God. They are important to the Lord. So they're not going to um, play favorites based on the way someone speaks or someone's physical ability or the, the color of their skin or their outward appearance, whether they're wealthy or not based on the outward, what, how they're wearing, what they're, what, how they're dressed, et cetera. So I just, I just think it's so important to instill this, 
so that kids learn to love, to obey the command, to love God with our, all our heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves early. We're going to sin. We're going to fail. We're going to mess up in this area. But as we, it's like a muscle, as we're building that muscle to love people um, early, I think it's only going to help as they get older. Trillia Newbell um, helps us uh, not only find uh, our muscles, some some of the ones that are totally undeveloped in terms of love of others and um, and the ethics of what it means to live as Christians in a in a beautifully diverse world. Um, she is a bright, shiny Christian sister, and I just love her. You should be following her on Instagram or Twitter at uh, Trillia Newbell. Her brand new book is The Big Wide Welcome, and it is a book about James chapter 2, and it is written for children, maybe, I don't know, reading to kids as little as three, and then uh, certainly having your early readers reading it to um, to you when they're, you know, six or seven. So it's a, it's a read-to book, and it's also a learn-to-read book, and I think it's a book about learning to read ourselves. Um, and preventing favoritism, identifying it when uh, when it does exist, and then equipping us to become people who recognize the beauty and the value of every other person that we may see like kinds of people, but Jesus sees every person as one of a kind, and and that's the love that He has for us, and then in turn the love that we are to have for others. Trilly and I are going to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about this. I'm going to ask her for some practical ideas, um, you know, that we can use at home or with our kids or in our churches to address some of the um, root issues related to favoritism. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, let's uh, stand with arms wide open to the world for whom Jesus extended his arms wide open um, as well. We're talking with Trillia Nubo. We're talking about her brand new book, The Big Wide Welcome. It is a children's book, but it's a good book for children of God of every age. Uh, It comes to us from the Good Book Company, and we love them. Uh, James chapter 2 is the Bible passage that is brought into focus in this book, and we are talking about favoritism, uh, the sin of favoritism, um, and what it looks like to be people who extend the big wide welcome uh, in the same way that Jesus has extended it to us. So Trillia, talk with us maybe about the way Jesus welcomed people. Maybe there's a story that comes to your mind that illustrates just how big and wide the welcome of God is in Jesus. Gosh, where do I begin? Um, There's lots of stories. Uh, The Samaritan woman, obviously, is one of the, uh, you see it, I mean, he's crossing gender lines, he's crossing cultural lines, religious lines, there's so much in that. But I was just reflecting on, um, in in, in one of the pages in the book, the illustrator drew these hearts with all these various people that represent stories in the Bible. And I was... I was thinking about one of them in Mark 10, uh, 13 through 16, where Jesus is welcoming children and his disciples rebuked um, 
all these, the people who were bringing all these children to him. And he says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And that to me, you know, uh, even the thought of how welcome he was to little children, bring them to me. I want them to come to me where so often we treat children without dignity um, or as uh, kind of like they can't understand the gospel or I don't know, I, I just belittling. One of the my goals in even writing to children is that I write not below them, but to challenge them to think and to understand the gospel and to apply that. So, so Jesus, uh, I know you're, you're probably thinking more like, wait a minute, culture and race. And I just think Jesus was so welcoming. He even welcomed the little children. And that is kind of the heart behind why I love writing to young hearts and minds. But yes, also he welcomes people like me with brown milky skin and um, utterly sinful and um and invites me into his kingdom and i i just think that is remarkable so is it okay for me to say like i am sure you're one of god's favorites and is it okay <laughs> uh, and, and is it sorry, okay for me on. to say that no right because i feel that way about the the delight that god has um in you and in in others who, you know, whose hearts are so open to him and attuned to him, whose lives are radiating his light and love to other people. And so, you know, I think to myself, you just have to be one of God's favorites. And in saying that, I'm acknowledging that sort of everyone is God's favorite <laughs> child as well. Can I say that? Um, Did you say that everyone's also, I coughed right when you said the yes. last thing. Can you everyone... Say like, right. It's a little bit like, you know, you can't have a favorite kid because every kid's your favorite. Well, that's because that's the way God loves us. You like I can say to you, surely you're one of God's favorites and I can <laughs> rattle off the litany of reasons why. And then I can turn to the very next person and say, surely you are also one of God's favorites because, you know, of, of this litany of reasons why. And it's not anything that you've that you've done or earned, but you are reflecting back to him the love that he gives. And I think he, he has to respond to that. Like he has, that has to bring him joy. Well, in Zephaniah, I think it's Zephaniah, it's God talks about him singing over us. So mm. I would say that we're all, yes, I would say that when he looks at me, I believe he's looking at Jesus. So Jesus is interceding for us. Jesus clothes, I am clothed with his righteousness. So I, I, I don't know if it's so much that he looks at Trillia and says, man, she's my favorite. Though I, I know that he knows me intimately, he, that he loves me intimately, that he's intimately involved. I just think, oh, he looks at Jesus and says, mm. what you've done on her behalf, I, that's my, that's my favorite. But so, so I believe that he loves us in a intimate and in a um, that there's no condemnation for us. But I just believe it's all because of Jesus, and that's how we can be his all of it, his favorite, all of us. And um, so it's it's hard for me to say that I as an individual, but I can say without a shadow of a doubt, I in Christ, yeah, we're all his favorites. So, 
So that's how I see it. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that's no. I, I, I think that's exactly right. I think that's not just right. I think that's righteous. Like right because that's what mm-hmm. you're talking about when God looks upon you, cloaked in Christ, covered in Christ, in Christ. So trillia in Christ is who God now sees. And seeing trillia, (laughs) right? Seeing trillia in Christ is seeing trillia totally redeemed and exactly as God has always intended her to be. And, And so, yeah, he's delighted with that. He's just overjoyed. He sings over you. I love that. Yeah. Kids need yeah. to know that, right? Kids need to know that God sings over them um, and, and that they're, they can be redeemed in Christ no matter how, how young they are. I love that. We, we've witnessed a couple of um, baptisms of kids like, uh, well, one of them I think is six and one just turned eight. And I'm thinking to myself just the, the purity of their faith in, in who God is and the simplicity of their understanding um, and that's enough. Like they understand that they're sinners and they understand the sacrifice of God in Christ on their behalf. And they understand that they um, have given all of themselves that they that they understand at this point to all of Christ that they understand. And and it's this authentic, beautiful, yes, childlike, but not childish mm-hmm. testimony. Right. And so I, I want to I think I want to say thank you for the value you're placing on children in writing rich theology at an age-appropriate level for three-year-olds. Mm. Like, not mm. a lot of people are doing that. I, um, first of all, thanks for that encouragement. It's interesting. Maybe this was the Lord's just leading, but in that text that I read earlier in Mark, it continues, truly I tell you, anyone who is will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And there is something that's so simple. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to know. <laughs> Theology is deep and rich and complicated and yet simple, so easy. And so I do believe that the, the Lord has given me a heart to write in a way that a little child can understand it and grow, grow from there. And I also think that, that, that there is riches in his word that we can help them learn and grow into. So I just, I, I, it is a joy. It's an absolute joy to get to write and, and really make my, it's, it challenges me to, to know what I believe mm-hmm. <laughs> and to be able to summarize it in, in, in sim, simple yet, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it phrases and words. And so it's been a great challenge for my own faith in a good way. Um, but also in helping me understand and helping me, I have kids when you jokingly, when you said, if I asked who's your favorite kid, I laughed because I thought, well, that would be a problem if I had a favorite. And I have these two <laughs> wonderful children that I have to teach. And so it's it's helped me try to to learn how to explain to my own children um, in a way that they understand and um, can grow into as well. So 
It's a joy. I love it. It's so good. It's so good. Well, you are a joy and a delight. Thank you, as always, so much for um, making time for us today. Um, the book is just lovely. The Big Wide Welcome uh, comes to us from the Good Book Company, which we also dearly love. Trillia Newbell is the author. Trillia, blessings on this new year. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Blessings to you. And just so you know, we have um, we have uh, many people um, who have been texting in during our conversation, um, testifying to the beauty of the Trillium and acknowledging that now every time they see one in the woods, they're going to think of you. So there you go. I know. I love that. I love that. All right. Have a blessed day and happy new year, friend. You too. We'll be right back. All right. We have uh, an observation um, from Patricia who talks about the number of places that she's lived and how uncomfortable she grows when somebody asks her, you know, which of those seven states that you've lived in, um, which one of those is your favorite? And she says, you know, the question makes me nervous, kind of like asking which one of my five children is my favorite. I, they all have individual qualities which shouldn't be compared. That's exactly how I feel when people ask me, you know, of all the places that you've lived, which is a lot, which one of them is your favorite? And, uh, you know, the re- this totally the reality. Um, I, I am a person who puts down roots quickly, recognizing that God intends for me to bless the place where he has called me to live. Um, right now and to bless the neighbors around me right now and also recognizing that I may well be uprooted and transplanted somewhere else uh, in his, um, you know, ever expanding kingdom agenda. So love the place you are. Love the people around you. Um, be bright and shiny today. Cast forth um, the good news of the gospel to others. Let's be people who advance the kingdom always and in all ways. Let's do good to everyone around us, and let's never grow tired of doing good. That's that Galatians 6, 9 I prayed for you earlier. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.